to Interviews. Hi, I'm your host, Sophia Negron, a former professional dancer turned professional photographer. Here's where I interview former professional artists that have moved on to a new career and learn about their stories of discovery, transition, passion, and resilience. My hope is that you will feel inspired to embrace your creativity, see the value in it, and let it color the rest of your endeavors. So, what will be your act two? Hi, I am Sophia Negron, and this is Act Two Interviews. And I'm here today with Sharon Becker, who is a former actress, but now she is the owner of SB Beauty, a bespoke on-site team for makeup and hair for the Chic event. And she is also a makeup and hair person, and she does commercial fashion, lifestyle, and fitness for print and editorial. So thank you for joining me today. Thanks for inviting me. I am really excited to talk to you. I mean, we have been friends for a lot of years and colleagues for a lot of years. So mm -hmm. this is exciting to kind of hear more of your story. Um, so you were an actress. You said that you pursued acting for like eight years. Did you go to college for it or... I did. They actually let me into NYU. I got a BFA from Tisch School for the Arts. And I also, while I was there, picked up a minor in art history. Oh, oh, minor in art history. What can you do with art history? Um, ask people if they want fries with their burger. But actually, I did tie it into a bride once because she... Um, she wanted sort of a, a Marie Antoinette look, not like we're modeling ourselves on Marie Antoinette, but she wanted this Marie Antoinette look. She had this very open chest with a strapless dress and like a chest full of tattoos right after oh. her collar. Yeah. And a really pretty face. She's very pale and she wanted her hair up in sort of a tall updo, but she's very pale with very pink cheeks. And I said, wait, I know what to do. And I put together a Pinterest board for her. And I pulled together all sorts of influences for Marie Antoinette and Marie Antoinette adjacent looks. And I showed oh. her the Pinterest board and that's how we communicated. So um, knowing, you know, people talk now about contouring. I talk about chiaroscuro, which is <laughs> the contrast between black and white, dark and light. Um, so I do have unique references and I'm fun to talk to at a cocktail party. Yes, you always, you always know everything about everything. I'm always... That is absolutely <laughs> not true. <laughs> All right, so you know a little something about everything that you're able to converse with people about anything. I sit there and I'm like, wow, she knows a lot about whatever that was. <laughs> right now, I know more about the history of codfish in the world than I did before I read the book on the history of codfish. Oh, well... That'll, yeah. the, you know, that's what, those are the things we're learning these days. <laughs> I know. <laughs> when we can't touch people or make, do their makeup. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so did you do acting as a child as well or? God, no, 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 no. I was in some plays in high school and 
I applied to NYU and they let me in. And um, that's where I got my background in acting. So I graduated early. I was there for only three years. Okay. Because I came in with credits from high school. And then after I graduated NYU, I took a Shakespeare class with a guy for a number of years. Let's call it four or five years. Once a week, I was putting up Shakespeare scenes and monologues. And he went to see me in a play or two because this guy went to see every one of our plays. And for you acting students out there, find a teacher who's going to see every one of your plays. So he saw me in a play one day and he said, okay, so you've gotten this far. You now need to work on your voice. And I want you to go talk to my friend, Shane Anyance, who does a two-year masterclass in voice and speech for the actor with a focus on Shakespeare. So I took both of their classes simultaneously while I was still working at the makeup counter and doing other jobs wow. and still auditioning and working in plays. So I, I did downtown theater. I did independent films. I did a few commercials and completely unrelated to my voice class for Shakespeare. I did get into a lot of voiceovers. All right. Well, I mean, if you're learning how to use your voice, that's what yeah, voiceovers are. Getting into voiceovers happened right after I graduated. And the voice class for theater was totally different. Obviously, if I'd kept up with it, it would have been related. But I quit, <laughs> I quit acting as we graduated our two-year speech class. Oh, all right. But I finished the speech. I decided to quit acting um, before the end of the last semester, before the end of the fourth semester. But I kept going with it because I didn't trust my instinct that I was really going to quit acting. And also, I find value in finishing things. And it's true. The fourth semester made the most impact in the way I speak, the way I have a connection to my breath. And I think that if you have the opportunity to find a connection to your breath, it's going to help you with everything that you do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was really momentous. And I loved the connection with my fellow students and with the teacher. And our graduation party was the most hilarious, ridiculous, artsy thing ever. We played Shakespeare game, games and got drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Shakespeare is hard enough to speak. I can't imagine when you're drunk. <laughs> oh my God. It was a nerd fest. I loved it. It was a very positive experience, and I just wanted to complete it because yeah. I felt like if I chose to continue acting, I would have had to go back with a different group of students, and that wasn't going to be fun. I feel like there's value in finishing things, especially finishing things that are academic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Sustain school. so when you... How did you become a makeup artist? Yeah. <laughs> did you do that while you were acting? Did you, yeah. like, did that help you it, quit with the, with? Just like everything else good in life, you stumble into it. I completely stumbled into makeup. I graduated NYU early. I had a summer job um, with the university. And then it was September, October, and I needed to do something with myself. Yeah. So I thought, okay, well, let's look in the newspaper. And the newspaper is a thing that's printed on paper, which is made of dead trees. Yes. And 
buy it at the newsstand and then you put it under your arm and hold your cup of coffee and you walk down the street and then when you get home, you open the newspaper, you spread it open on your table. And we used to circle job openings with a pen, which is a, a, a stick made of ink for all the kids out there. So it was like October and retail was hiring for Christmas and I wasn't qualified to do anything <laughs> and nobody was paying me to do that yet so I saw an ad for Macy's they were hiring at the Clinique counter and I thought oh they'll take me yeah I wore no makeup my acting teacher had to beg me to put on makeup for scenes because she wanted me to get into the practice of showing up professionally right she said I don't care if you wipe it off after your scene is done you're going to put on a long skirt and you're going to put on some lipstick and that's how you show up professionally. So I never wore makeup. I was like too young and beautiful to wear makeup. I thought <laughs> to myself. You're still young and beautiful, but. Uh, so I circled the job at Clinique. I called up Macy's. I went in, they put me at a totally different makeup counter prescriptives, which I had never heard of. And I was there for the holiday season of 19. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and I, I think we're dating ourselves when we mentioned the newspaper. <laughs> yeah, I think I already opened up that box. So I was there for the holiday season and I was so young and ignorant. I think I was 21 or maybe I was 20. I don't remember. Yeah. Um, I was so young and ignorant that... I didn't know I was only a holiday hire. And in Jan and I sold like I was on fire. Like I had to get rid of this stuff at the counter. I loved yeah. it. I'm a small town girl. I grew up in a very sheltered environment. And I was meeting people from all over the world, not just my clients, but my colleagues at the makeup counter. We had women from all over um the Balkan region. I'd never heard of the Balkan region. We had women from all over the Caribbean and South America. I was making friends with people with totally different backgrounds. It was so exciting. And there were lots of shiny things. And I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so I really loved my job. And in January, they took me into a room and they said, okay, well, you were hired as a, for holiday, but we'd like to keep you. And I was so dumb. I'm like, what do you mean keep me? I work here. <laughs> I was that dumb. So I worked at Macy's for four years. That's four Christmases, four flower shows. Um, it was madness. Yeah. And then I left Macy's and I moved over to Bergdorf Goodman, just okay. a little bit uptown. And I was at the same makeup counter, but with different people. And I expanded my circle of friends. I met some really good friends at Bergdorf's. And I would go to people's hotel rooms and apartments. I had this one client who lived at the Carlisle Ooh, and she fancy. would have me. Yeah. She would have me do her face before she went to galas and I picked up some wedding clients there and they liked me because people tend to find a makeup artist who reflects their own look. So I gained a following of people just like me. <laughs> But, I, you know, I would sometimes leave to go take care of Mrs. So-and-so. And the same clients would call me up and say, Sharon, I've just had my face done. Can you take me in the back room and mix me a foundation? 
So I became fluent with this kind of clientele. And at that point, after four years at Bergdorf's, 9-11 happened. It was a pivotal moment for all of us. And if it wasn't a pivotal moment for you, then you really missed the point. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I realized that I just couldn't sell lipstick for another day. I was done. I had to do something with my life. And I spent a lot of time reflecting on what that thing would be. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I loved makeup. I didn't know where to go with it. I wasn't getting anywhere with prescriptives and their parent company, the Estee Lauder companies. I just couldn't break through. I didn't have any vision of what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So I got a job as an assistant in an office um, where I had been working as a freelancer the whole because I had five jobs at once. Oh. Right, as any actress does. In your early 20s, you have the energy to bop from job to job, class to class, do an audition, rehearse, and then go do another job at night. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was extremely motivated, and I had a bunch of jobs. So I went to work in special events, and I worked my way up through the special events field. And my friends would come to my offices, and I would do their makeup for TV appearances, for their headshot shoots. And I even did makeup for their weddings. I remember I was invited to a wedding in Jamaica and I did the bride's makeup and that was my first destination wedding. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I worked my way through corporate America and special events. I learned a lot. Um, I learned how to use a computer, which I didn't know how to do before. I learned how okay. to do a conference call, which I didn't know how to do before. All of these really basic office functions, but I was just an actress, so I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. Um, so I learned all of this. I learned how to run an event, which actually has been very helpful for me, and how to run a timeline, how to network, because I didn't know how to do that before. And I built up all of these capabilities only to realize that I hated doing events. And my friends kept saying, Sharon, we love the way you do makeup. Just do makeup, please, for everybody's sake. Just do makeup. Yeah. So I left and I hung out a shingle and through a lot of networking and hard work and um, building up my craft, here I am a few years later. Great. That's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. So were you doing the acting while you were working at Macy's? How did the, the acting and the makeup kind of coincide with each other? It worked out really well. When I was at Macy's, I started out just doing three nights a week. But <laughs> this is so funny. I loved it so much. I wanted to work more. Remember when you were in nursery school in kindergarten, you were so excited to go to school because it felt so adult and there were yes. people there? And you yes. can like make things and have fun and do crafts. Yes. That's how I felt about working at the makeup counter. I'm like, when can I go back? I love it. So I went from 18 hours a week to 24 hours a week. I got my insurance. And that was the good old days when you could get health insurance for working 24 hours a week. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So um, they were really flexible with me. We had a huge staff at the Macy's counter, like 18 people. And... When I did a show, um, I could just flex out with other people. When I had, I took my classes on my days off. 
And the whole time I was working other jobs, like I temped on Wall Street. I gave out drinks and bars doing liquor promotion at night. I was a busy girl. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, I still feel like you're always a busy girl. Like you seem like an energizer bunny where you're always doing things. And I mean, it's, it helps because you're very successful. So, you know, (laughs) I don't know. I just feel like, um, you know, time is so short, especially when we're all working. Time is so short. Now I've got all this time and it still doesn't feel like enough, but I just had a lot to do a lot to, I always felt like I was behind because I didn't grow up on stage and, um, you know, I had to pay my rent and pay for classes, pay for headshots, pay for audition outfits. Um, so there was always so much work to do. Yeah. And then when I went to Bergdorf's, I was such a superstar. No, not, not. Yeah. I really liked it. (laughs) did really well for the company and for myself. And I became friends with our new counter manager. So when I signed up for the two-year masterclass in voice and speech and Shakespeare, I worked out an arrangement where on, I think I had class on Tuesday and Thursday, I would take no lunch. I'd eat my lunch on the train up to the Upper West Side. The trains were convenient. I was right by Columbus Circle and class was on 73rd and Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. So I ran. I was in my 20s. I had comfortable shoes. I would run to the subway <laughs> with a pizza in my mouth. <laughs> run to the subway, um, run from 72nd to the studio, sit down, take class for two hours, run back. So I would open and close on Tuesday and Thursday. And then my counter manager gave me the three hours off that I needed. That's so great. you do a really good job. And you're friendly and you make a lot of money for the company, you can get some flexibility. I don't know if that would happen these days because everything is so much stricter. Security is so much stricter everywhere. Um, New York City is so much more crowded and it's hard to run down the sidewalk (laughs) without tripping over people. But it was a different time. And I made myself not indispensable to the makeup counter, but I made myself useful to the makeup counter. So I was lucky enough to get privileges. So that's how it, um, it worked out. And then when I did shows at night, um, I would just move my schedule around and everybody was really flexible. There were a lot of, there were a couple of working mothers at the counter and some people whose schedules were flexible. So they were very generous with me and I was flexible with them. Yeah. I would work on like their holidays Mm-hmm. Okay. Did you, you said that you were quitting during that voice uh, conservatory and you yeah. stayed, but what was kind of going through your head when you decided that it was time to stop the acting and were you thinking, was makeup something that you were thinking about or was it totally separate from quitting the acting? Well, Sophia, this is such a good question that I'm actually getting chills. Aww. Yeah. Um, it was a it was a come to Jesus moment. And I'd never been a terribly reflective person. I always just sort of put my head down and charged. 
because I thought that was going to get me where I needed to go. Yeah. So 9-11 happened. I wasn't having any success in acting. And I was getting to an age, which is 27, 28, where I was aging out of, you know, teen comedies. I wasn't going to get cast in whatever Dawson's Creek thing was happening. Um, like I always looked young, but I was aging out. I was getting to a point where at the age of 28, agents just weren't going to pick me up. Mm -hmm. Opportunity was dwindling and I hadn't been able to catch anything during those fruitful early years. Yeah. So I was in emotional turmoil and I was having a hard time and the makeup counter was a source of stability for me. And I loved yeah. it. And I love pretty colors and I loved my colleagues and I love making friends at the store. So that was a beautiful source of stability for me. And I really enjoyed the acting work and the Shakespeare work, especially the voice work. But I knew that I couldn't trust myself to quit one semester before finishing. Mm -hmm. And I also felt like the work was so beautiful. I wanted to keep doing it while I plotted and planned about what I was going to do next with my life. Yeah. Because I, I enjoyed the craft and I enjoyed those people too. And you know what it's like to be in an acting class or a dancing class with people for two years. You create a relationship, create relationships, and um, these people are all going through their own things because we're all more or less the same age. And we share struggles. And it was a supportive atmosphere. So I felt like it was a comfortable place for me. I could finish out the class. I enjoyed the work. It wasn't torture. Yes, I was spending money and time on it, but it was, I was spending money and time on something that I really enjoyed, which was Shakespeare. So yeah. I just sat with it until the class was done and I plotted and planned. It was funny. I had this boyfriend at the time. We were very close and he thought he was artsy, but he's He's an advertising guy. He's not artsy, <laughs> but he's very business savvy. And he thought that I could do whatever I wanted, that I was capable. And I didn't think I was capable. Yeah. And here come the tears. Oh, which always happens when you and I talk. <laughs> so I didn't think I was capable of anything except for selling lipstick. And like, I wasn't skinny enough. I wasn't pretty enough. I had a big nose. I wasn't willing to cut my hair. I maybe wasn't a good actor yeah. and I didn't know what else I could do. I couldn't do math, which seemed like a huge thing. Like if you're going to be in the office world, you have to do math. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I didn't feel capable of doing anything. So New Year's Eve that year, we had plans and that year was 2000 or 2001. Pre or post? We were together during 2001. So that was either 2001 or 2002. Okay. 2001. It was New Year's Eve, 2001 going into 2002. That's right. Exactly. That's exactly what it was. It was December 31st, 2001. And we were going out to dinner for New Year's. And I was putting on my boots. We we're going to this restaurant. It was very fancy, very special. It was very romantic. And I said, Rich, I have something to tell you. He said, yeah. I said, 
I think I'm done with this acting thing. And he told me, I've been waiting to hear you say that. Hmm. And he's, he can be very offensive. (laughs) (laughs) He's a very bold person who prides himself on like telling it like it is. Right. So if I wanted to get pissy about it, I could think, well, he didn't believe in me, but actually he believed in me more than I did. And he thought that if I wanted to do the acting thing, I could do what it takes yeah, to get the work, like lose the weight, cut my hair, get a nose job, whatever, like right. LA audition, like meet the right people. He, he believed that I could do that and make it happen. But he also believed in me that if I wanted to do something else, I had the capability to do it. Right. And he knew that I was, he saw me not getting anywhere. He saw me turning 28 and he's not an idiot. So he believed in me and that was pretty touching. Yeah. So I felt like I came out of the closet to my boyfriend. <laughs> it was a coming out of the closet moment where I told yeah. him I didn't do the acting thing and he didn't pressure me. I think I was still signed up for one play after that. And that was the weakest swan song ever. (laughs) Um, It was just terrible. And my heart wasn't in it. My -hmm. heart was in the Shakespeare class. So I finished that. I felt good about finishing it. And then while I was finishing it, I was making inquiries about what else I could do. Yeah. I was talking with Estee Lauder companies. I wasn't getting anywhere because I didn't know inside myself what I wanted to do. Right. And it seemed like an executive assistant job was the easy choice. Yeah. It wasn't easy for me because I didn't know how to use a computer. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, literally did not know how to use a computer. So I was doing liquor promotions with an event marketing agency and somebody offered me, you know, the president offered me a job being his executive assistant. And I thought, well, rather than chasing around the Estee Lauder company, let me just take this job and see where it goes. Yeah. And I did. And I learned a lot. That's and we great. drank a lot in the office. That's when the, <laughs> <started. laughs> the benefits of working with them. <laughs> yeah, that's really where the drinking started. Um, so that was my path. I just, I, I, I loved makeup and I continued doing makeup for my friends, as I said, but I just couldn't figure out where I fit. Yeah. And I think that happens to a lot of us because we're so focused on this one thing that we're yeah. doing, you know, acting, dancing. And I mean, for me, I was dancing since like five years old. So yeah. that was my entire identity. So, I mean, I went through something very similar where it was like, what do I do next? Maybe I'll do this. Maybe I'll do that. You know, and you feel like, what am I, some crazy person that has no clue about life? But yeah, we were crazy people who had no idea about life. That's exactly what we were. Yeah, yeah. I, but it's, I, it's, I hope that kids now who are artists have a more diverse perspective because kids now are born with computers and phones, so they're born with technology. They automatically know how to do social media and how to operate all these apps and this TikTok shit and um, how to promote themselves because social media is about self-promotion. So they know how to do that. They know how to use computers. They know how to use technology. They're way ahead of us. 
Yeah. And I feel like the kids today are also thinking more clearly about the entire world and where they fit in it. Uh-huh. I can agree with that, but I but I also I also see and in the dance especially in the dance world cuz my daughter's in that world, but I I also think that there is this underlying thing of I want to be famous. Like they want to be that famous social media person. They want it and they they I feel like some of them skip those steps. You know, there's a lot more injuries in dance. Mm. They're, you know, pushing themselves a lot further than they did before. So huh. I feel like they are, you know, I mean, I see with like the what's going on in the world, you know, they are very aware of yeah. what is going on and and I think that's a great thing. Um, but but I think they have their own challenges. Yeah, I can see well. that. But at the same time, Allie can start a YouTube page where she's showing off her choreography and her dance. And that, yes. can, be, that can be a portfolio to get into a school. She can also follow all of these dancers on Instagram and read the comments, learn about what they're doing, go down the Instagram rabbit hole and see who their teachers are, see what happened to that teacher, what that teacher's trajectory was. So I feel like they have a lot more access to different types of artistic fields. Yes, I do agree with that. I do agree with that. And I hope, I hope that the conversation with artists in general kind of leads to that even if you want to pursue this artistic career, there mm -hmm. are lots of other things out there. Right. So I always make the joke when I hear an interesting career, well, that wasn't at the job fair. Because <laughs> when I were in school, they, the job fair consisted of teacher, doctor, lawyer, nurse, owner, Fireman. garage. <laughs> um, it was pretty limited. And now we've got social media star, <laughs> um, you know, app developer. There are so many more opportunities now that are interesting and people can find out, out, out about them just by having conversations on this little thing. Yeah, yeah. So thinking about that and thinking about your career as a as an actress and then being able to step into Macy's and Bergdorf and become this owner of SB Beauty what do you think your acting helped with all of that because i think your your acting skills and training had a lot to do with your success at the makeup counter and now <laughs> mm -hmm. i think it's a lot less obvious than you would think most of the time when I use my acting skills, I'm acting like I care. <laughs> but I also, I don't think this is unique to actors. I can shape shift a little bit. Mm -hmm. I think that might be unique to my personality. Yeah. Or shape shift a little bit. But I also, I don't really think there's a ton of correlation. I think it's just that because I didn't learn networking when I was at NYU right everybody else was doing it 
but I wasn't because I wasn't sophisticated enough. Right. Um, I think my sophistication came out when I started working at Bergdorf's and I was making friends at other counters. What's that? That's networking. Right. Yes. So that's what I learned there. And having my acting career necessitated multiple jobs. Mm-hmm. So I was working at the makeup counter, learning the craft of makeup, learning networking, learning how to deal with different clients because people, women will come in with a beard or <laughs> with different insecurity issues. And right. you have to have the product to handle that. And then you have to assure them that it's not really a problem. But if it were a problem, they could use this and this and here's how to use it. And here's the $70 lotion that you need to put underneath the product. Right. <laughs> so I think that was helpful, but also because of the acting career, I had to have multiple jobs. So the liquor sales, um, or rather the liquor promotion made me go into bars and walk up to strangers and have a conversation. And right. in my field, it's so important for me to be able to ingratiate myself with new people at every single shoot. Yes. I work now that I'm nine years in, I have multiple teams I work with. Some people, um, there's one team I've been working with for all nine years. Wow. It's really incredible. And we've got nice friendships and we get along so well, but some people I've worked with for two, three, four, nine years. So I have multiple teams who call me and we have this rapport, but everything else is just sort of ad hoc. So I have to go into a shoot and make friends immediately. If I'm not friends with the stylist, then we're not working together. If I'm not friends with the lighting person, then we're not working together. And if I can't ingratiate myself with the model, then my work isn't going to be quite as beautiful. So the makeup counter really helped me. The liquor promotion really helped me because I had to learn to talk to new people. And as I said, I'm a kid from a small town. I grew up in a very sheltered atmosphere. I didn't know how to talk to people. So the makeup counter forced me to talk to people. Yeah. I think background, not just be tolerant and accepting, but be excited about their differences. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think, I, I, I mean, it is your personality. I think your personality probably helped you be a good actress. But, you know, I think as, as an actress, you have to learn how to work with people and listen mm-hmm. to people and, mm-hmm. and, and look at a script and be able to see, see the underlying issues and the things to bring them out. So I would beg to differ with you about that. I think all of our all of our acting students and actors now can can feel like, you know, I think I can talk to people a little easier than other people. Mm. You know. But I think yeah, I mean, I think all of those experiences kind of line your line you up for what you're doing now. Well, certainly all of the plays that I did meant that I had to meet a new cast, be friends with them, work together as a team. And one thing I miss most about acting, it's been so long, is I miss the camaraderie backstage. I miss working on a project together. And doing a wedding or a styled shoot or a photo shoot with a team that I work with frequently has the same camaraderie. Yes. 
I can agree with that. And it's one of the most enjoyable parts of my work life is um, all of the friends I make. Okay. How did you, so you were working this event job and and you were like one of the event planners, right? Is that what you were doing at the event? Well, after I left makeup and left acting, I got a job as an executive assistant in an event marketing agency. Oh, okay. the world's worst executive assistant. I could make reservations at a restaurant, and that's literally all I could do. I made friends with the graphic design guy because he was a lot of fun, really, really nice, really bright. But he would show me things like how to make something bold in a Word document. (laughs) Yes. Something you need to know. (laughs) Yeah, it was that bad. Um, But... I could act like I knew what I was doing. (laughs) (laughs) Which is half the issue. (laughs) I know. Um, But I guess people tell me that I have a presence. So when clients came to the office, they would meet me and, you know, they would be pleased. And I helped my boss set up a few events and a few lunches. And then a job opening came up slightly higher. So they put me in that slot and I started, um, I had the coolest job. I brought liquor into promotional events. So I was still connected to the arts. A lot of gallery openings, a lot of galas where I would Mm -hmm. just pop in in a fancy dress. Um, So a lot of arts organizations and philanthropic organizations, I would creatively present the liquor. So I had to, and this really helped me in my current career of SV Beauty, I had to assemble a team, train the team, dress the team, come up with a scheme like they would all walk down the stairs at the same time holding a tray of purple drinks and it would be a presentation. So I had a flair for the presentation. (laughs) Hard to believe. Oh, I definitely can believe that one. (laughs) You're definitely bold and have a flair. Um, (laughs) From there, I um, started doing other special events, and I ended up at a nonprofit where we had an annual gala. Okay. So I worked on that, and that helped me do team building. I created the Young Professionals Organization within this, it's an old fuddy-duddy organization. Like, the board is made up of old, rich people. That's those people who have Back then, those are the people who had money. Now, it's like 21-year-old tech giants who have money. Yeah. But back then, it was old people who had money. So I created a young professionals group to foster the people who were going to be old and making a lot of money and also develop their parents who were old and had lots of money. Right. We created the Young Professionals Organization, and that gave me an idea of how to network really effectively. Okay. To network towards a goal. Okay. My goal was to fill the young professionals group with active people who had a lot of contacts, can invite people, can bring in auction items, can help sell tickets to a party and develop them. And when you and I have planned styled shoots, we've had to access other vendors who have our vision, we've created a vision, brought in other people who can share our vision, we've created a timeline. It's like producing an event. 
Everything right. has to go exactly according to plan or else you don't get the pictures. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, you don't know how many times my brides say, oh, my bridesmaid was asking if you were the event planner because yeah. I showed them the timeline for the day. And I said, well, you know, I just time out everything that's happening before the reception. Right. Because that way we have enough time to do all the family photos, go anywhere they need to go in the city, you mm -hmm. know, because I want to get the photos that they're going to want to have for their wedding. So, mm -hmm. you yeah. Know. And these are things that I didn't learn in school. I learned these things on my own by doing, and it's been incredibly helpful for me in my career because mm -hmm. I've produced so many photo shoots, not just um, the wedding style shoots that we've done, but I've produced fashion shoots. When I want something in my book that I don't currently have, then I collaborate with a photographer and I yeah. get a stylist and I call up my friends at the modeling agencies and I get models in and we all produce a photo shoot together to get the work for our books so that we can get more attention from agencies and advertisers. Okay. So all of that um, event planning really helped. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you don't think about that. I mean, one thing I notice and what I've always told my clients when they're looking for a makeup artist is you have to hire Sharon. Not only is she super friendly and personable, she's on time. Yeah. You, know, you, you that, is, that is the biggest thing. You don't know how many times my photo timeline gets so screwed up because the makeup yeah. artist either isn't on time or they don't know how to work quickly enough, you yeah. know, or the, or handling the situation and being able to say, you know what, oh, you know what, these three girls need to do their photos now. Let me do them first. Yeah. You know, let me do mom first, even though I know she wants to wait till later. Now we're gonna do it now. So you, you with that experience, you bring that in, and I think it's really important because I don't think a lot of makeup artists have that kind of vision. When yeah, you're doing they, makeup. It's something that I love doing. And I tell prospective clients when we have our incoming phone calls, because I have a phone call with absolutely everybody who inquires oh, with yeah. me, that I do the timeline for them so they can have an enjoyable day. And I also do it for myself because I don't like to have a stressful work environment. I've had stressful jobs. I don't want to have a stressful job anymore. Right. So. I want them to get the most out of your time because they book you for eight hours. They're paying right. you for those eight hours. And while you're generous and if like grandpa is break dancing on the dance floor, you're not leaving. You're going right. to catch that. Even if yeah. it's an extra 15 minutes, you're going to catch that. But I want them to get all of the daylight that they have available to them. I want them to get all of your time that they bought from you. I want them to enjoy the um, the cold lobster station at the happy hour. Right. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> like, I want that for them because I want that for myself. <laughs> I want them to enjoy as much of their day as possible without any stress. So I make a very explicit timeline spreadsheet yeah with one column per artist and if there are recalcitrant bridesmaids who maybe are never on time I work with the bride 
and figure out who's always going to be late. So I put her first. So if she comes two hours late, we can sub in other people and still get the job done on time. Right. And I always ask, usually I interface with the photographer or the planner about this. When are first look photos? When are family photos? Is the family large or small? Do they need more time or less time? Because if they're family photos, I might be finishing up the bridesmaids. So I get to know all the details of the day so that I can create a beautiful timeline. They can have a relaxing, seamless, joyful bridal suite. No stress. They can pee as much as they want. <laughs> Tell them when they can eat so that they're not getting their makeup dirty. It's right. seamless, it's beautiful, and it's very enjoyable. And you get to do your work. I get to do my work. We all get to enjoy the day. Yes. Oh, and that's what it should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You should enjoy. So how did SB Beauty come about? <laughs> um, I started SB Beauty. I remember I had my laptop on me. I was in bed and I didn't know what to do. I knew I needed a logo. I knew I needed a website. I called up a graphic designer friend and I said, well, Lisa, what should I do? well, I can make you a logo. Okay, great. What are we going to put on the business card? Hmm. Your initials? I thought, hmm, SB, SB Beauty. Okay, great. I'll take that. (laughs) But as far as, that's great. I love that. But as far as, I mean, I know Rich said to you, like, you know, you can do other things and friends started saying, let's do makeup. Were you... So when friends were pushing you to do your do makeup, did you just start freelancing and eventually you're... I did. I started freelancing. I was working for other people and trying to cobble together a living. Uh-huh. And working for other people, I could not make the money I needed to make. Okay. And I was getting referrals from inside my own circle. So I would do a wedding for another person and then do two weddings of my own. And eventually the networking I was doing and the connections that I had filled my calendar. Mm-hmm. So I had the SB Beauty card and I started doing all of these weddings and all of this work and I was really enjoying myself. And then I was getting referrals for multiple weddings on a day and I couldn't handle them. Right. And I would send them out to other makeup artists for a hot minute. Then I thought, hmm, I think I should keep them in-house. Yeah. I already had a few assistants working with me because sometimes I was doing a larger party and I needed a second makeup artist. I was working with a hair partner. Mm-hmm. I would do all the work. I would bring in the client. I would organize the timeline, and I realized I could keep it all in-house, do it my way. Yes. Um, Everything up to my standards, so that no matter who a client hired, whether it's me or my associates, they were going to get excellent artistry, a seamless timeline, a joyful experience, and no messiness. Yeah. So... SB Beauty grew organically. Okay. And 
Um, I had a few artists who worked with me. They referred me to their friends. So I brought on other artists through my current artists. Mm -hmm. And I created a diverse team that looks like New York City, looks like our clientele. I always want to have um, bridesmaids and bridal party families see themselves in my team. Yeah. That's really important to me because we are in New York City and it is really diverse. And, you know, all of our bridal parties are diverse. So it's important for me that we have not only diverse people, but diverse skills. Right. Um, so SB Beauty grew organically. And all of those timelines that I do, sometimes I do them for four weddings on a Saturday. <laughs> I might have three teams out in addition to the wedding that I'm doing. Right. And I'm coordinating with all of those planners and photographers and clients a timeline. I'm getting my people to the venues. I'm showing them um, expectations and how um, the day is going to go. Mm -hmm. So I set them up for success. I set the client up for success. And it's all been extremely seamless. It's a lot of work, but it's extremely seamless on the day of because I put in so much work. Right, which I think is really important. And, and I can see the correlation from all the jobs. You know, the fact that you got to be an executive assistant helped you become more computer literate. <laughs> you know, and to be able to do all those timelines and things, I know you know how to use a computer now. Uh, <laughs> and just, I mean, I remember you saying, working at Macy's, working at Bergdorf's, you got to work with all kinds of different people, people from Croatia, people from the Caribbean, South America, you know, Europe. I was so excited to have clients from Africa. I met my first Cambodian clients at Macy's. Yeah. There are a lot of, um, it's really funny, Macy's is actually not far from all of the ambassador residences that oh. are around um, the UN. UN yeah. is on 7th Street and 1st Avenue, which is not that far from Macy's on 34th and 5th. So right. um, ambassadors' families can shop anywhere, and a lot of them chose to shop at Macy's Herald Square because it's an historic place. So I got the opportunity to work with people from all over the world. I was custom blending foundations for women from Ghana, Ethiopia, Sweden. I had so much fun. Yeah, I bet. It sounds like really fun. I enjoyed meeting people from all over the world and playing with colors. I love I love pretty colors. I think that's like my main skill in life is looking at pretty colors and appreciating <laughs> But I got to see how colors interact with different um different people. Mm -hmm. And that was super exciting for me. And one of the jokes that I make is that I could custom blend like the color of the carpet which is actually a really gross beige, but <laughs> foundation for the really gross beige because of that experience at Macy's because it's such an international clientele. So yeah. when I go on set and there are people of color, I'm like, cool, I got my toolkit. I'm ready to go. Yeah, which is great. I think it's so important to be able to to be diverse and be able to correspond with lots of different people. I mean, that's one thing I notice about you when we do weddings or go to networking events or when you're on a shoot with a commercial client 
is that you can kind of talk about anything and you are able to listen to what they're saying and, and contribute to the conversation and be able to bring up different things. I mean, I remember at some event you were talking to a, a jeweler and speaking to him about like, oh, the cut of this and the book, you know, the clarity I, of that. I, if the sapphire was irradiated. <laughs> and I'm standing there like, I, I it's really pretty. <laughs> well, you know, if we are talking about what I got from Macy's, that is the major learning, is that I was able to meet and communicate with people from all over the world. Yeah. And do their makeup. So it gave, you know, I was a small town girl, but Macy's gave me the fluency to be an international, to have an international perspective on makeup. Right. And it's really important to me um, to be able to work with different people. Yeah. You know, I want to make the Indian bride feel comfortable. I want to make, um, you know, my Colombian bride with the pink hair feel comfortable. Yeah. And I work with a lot of musicians as well. And I want to be able to make everybody feel fabulous and look fabulous. Yes. I mean, your tagline is look like yourself on your best day. So, you know, you want everyone to look good because then they feel good. Yeah. And then everybody, you know, can go out and make everyone else feel good. That's right. <laughs> Spreading the love, the SB Beauty way. Yes, exactly. So what would you say to these actors and actresses that are, that are coming up now or or thinking about maybe transitioning into something else, is there, are there things that you would want to say to them, whether it's, you know, what do I want to say? I find okay. that, you know, I find that, that when artists are transitioning, they have, a lot of them don't know what to do, or, you know, they're, they're doing their art and they stumble into other things, so what would you say to them to be more successful, either doing their acting and transitioning or doing both things at the same time? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. I spend a good amount of time mentoring the people on my team. Okay. I write a lot of letters of recommendation. I've helped a few people get makeup counter jobs and corporate jobs and stay married to their international spouse. So I do a lot of mentoring of my team. <laughs> you need a letter written, I'll write you a letter. <laughs> um, and I do think about young artists. Some young artists do call me up. They want to assist me. They want advice. And my first piece of advice is get a job at a makeup counter. Okay. Whether it's Sephora or Macy's or the body shop, get a job at a makeup counter because you're going to learn product. You're going to meet so many different types of people. That means that you're going to be putting makeup on different types of people, different colors of people, people with different skin tones, different skin textures even. Um, and you're going to learn to communicate with many different types of people. Right. And because overcoming those flaws and things that they... Right. 
Right. Different cultures have different ways of communicating. Americans are very bold and outspoken, but you know, your Swedish clients might not tell you that they don't like this thing because that's not part of their culture right. is to be contradictory. So get a job at a makeup counter. You're going to learn makeup and you're going to learn customer service. Okay. All right. Okay. And then you can also keep doing your acting, your singing, your dancing, but you can develop a different skill, which is extremely marketable and profitable. Okay. Yeah. And, and those actors that... I, I say that in addition, when people say, what should I do? I want to go to makeup, go into makeup. What makeup school should I go to? I will always say, get a job at a makeup counter while you're going to makeup school. Get a job at Macy's during holiday season when they're just pulling people off the streets. Prove yourself. Work the late hour shift so that you go to the makeup school during the day yeah. and hustle it. But you need to have real world experience touching so many different people and learning the product while you're getting more of the academic setting. Okay. All right. And what about the... Um... I had this conversa conversation with Brittany, uh, who we both know, and we were talking about how dancers transition and that a lot of dancers that have transitioned kind of, sometimes they hide that they were dancers, you know, or mm -hmm. it's just not something, you know, because they feel like I, I quit, so I failed. So... You know, you went through that transition of having to kind of say, do I want to keep acting? And I quit. So what can you say to those actors and actresses when they're kind of evaluating their life and trying to figure out, you know, am I quitting? Why am I quitting? And being okay with that choice. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I, you can look at failure in a couple of different ways. When my friends telling me, when my friends tell me that they're getting a divorce, their marriage failed, I say, D -d 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 hold on. It's not necessarily a failure just because it's ending. Right. You had a relationship and then, and now you're transitioning out of it. That's not necessarily a failure. Mm -hmm. So when I transitioned out of acting, I knew that I wasn't going anywhere. I knew that that wasn't going to be the career for me. I hadn't gained any traction. It was going nowhere. Did I feel like a failure? Not necessarily, but at the same time, the other word I used all the time was finding success. I wasn't finding success at acting. I wasn't failing. Like, I didn't break anything. I didn't fall <laughs> off of the stage. I didn't <laughs> down the curtain at a Broadway show. I didn't right. epically. I never offended anybody. I never burned anybody. I just wasn't finding success. Okay. And I told my boyfriend, I want to be successful at something. I feel like when you find success, it's not being rich. It's not being um, powerful. 
finding success means that you find a path where you can contribute to your 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 community. Mm-hmm. Right now, I'm in a makeup artist and a wedding community, and you can contribute to your own happiness. Right. Not finding success at acting was making me unhappy. Yes. I was trying really hard and I was going on auditions and I was cutting my hair shorter and shorter so it wouldn't fall out of frame. And I was doing things that were not helping me find any success. I so love I that. Was in a career where I could find success. Yes. I find I was successful in the events world. But I wasn't finding success for myself. It was a mm-hmm. struggle. And then when I broke out into freelance and I started doing makeup, I found success. Mm-hmm. I was comfortable in my skin for the first time in my entire life. I'm getting clumped again. <laughs> I was able to live my own life. Some people are some people love working a nine to five because they love that structure. You and I love working freelance because we like writing our own rules. Yes. And we both know how hard we work. Like I'm the first person on set. I'm on set before the sun is up. And then I leave set when the sun goes down. Because <laughs> I clean off the talent. So there's no mistake. Nobody ever makes a mistake that Sharon Becker doesn't work hard. Yeah. Or doesn't put in the hours. But I write my own rules and I, yeah. to me, that is success. I enjoy buying makeup. Oh my God. I love going into makeup stores and talking to makeup artists and trying the new thing and the new pencil and talking about the new technology and the foundation. I find such joy in that. I find joy in cleaning my kit, usually with a cocktail. <laughs> no judgments, but I find joy in cleaning my kit. I find joy in going to a networking event and meeting a diverse set of vendors and creating new work from that. Um, I find so much joy in touching people's faces. Yeah. Because touching their face and making them feel good is a way of touching their heart. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't want that to sound fake, but I feel a connection with people that I don't feel when I'm not doing their makeup. Right. So when I think about how happy I am in my makeup career, it's really more about finding success. Um, it's success that I can recognize. It's success that my family could recognize it's success that the outside world can recognize because there are dollar signs attached to it. Right. And so I live really comfortably. I do work that I enjoy. I do it at my own pace, which is usually breakneck. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't have to do math. You have to do a little math. Yeah, but, you know, I let the spreadsheet do that for me. (laughs) Once you learn, it's like everything else. Once you learn the formula, the work is done for you. (laughs) So when I, when I mentor people who are newer, Mm -hmm. I talk more about finding success. What does success mean to you? Does success to you mean having a spouse, having two kids and continuing your art 
does success mean living in the city and working for your career and that's it? Does success mean having a lot of different side projects going on at the same time? Does success mean having two careers simultaneously? What does success mean to you? Um, and how are you going to get there? Yeah. I so, think, yeah, no, I love, I love the, the way that you framed that. And I think telling, telling young people and people that are transitioning into something else, I think that's beautiful to tell them, are you finding success? How are you going to find success? Because then it, it, takes, it takes away that I failed at something, I'm not good at something, you know, it's, it takes away all of that negativity and gives you freedom to choose whatever it is that you want to do. So yeah. I really love that you, you frame it in that way. And we have to put this in a different framework, which is that I had the opportunity to do it. You know, I made money at the makeup counter. I made money doing liquor promotions. Um, and I had the freedom to find that success that I wanted somewhere else. I wasn't, I didn't have like a house and three kids to take care of. Not that it can't be done. Like I'm on three different makeup artist Facebook groups and a lot of those artists have families and they're still very successful. That wouldn't have been my path because right. I can't multitask like that. But it's also harder to start something new when you have massive obligations. My only right. obligation was to myself. Yes. So I had the opportunity to do that. And that makes it easier. Yes. It shouldn't discourage anybody from doing what they want because there's always a way. And I'm very encouraging to people who are in different family situations that they can still do it. It's about breaking it down and taking the right steps. Yes. Yeah. I understand that. And situations that. change. Like your kids are going to grow up. You're going to downsize your home. Your life will be your own at some point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I... It's interesting. I, I think I'll probably have to bring some older people onto the podcast that have transitioned yeah. into something else so that you know people can see that it may not be easy, but you can always choose something else. And I think by you framing it as choosing success, you're able to give yourself that freedom to choose something else. Yeah. I and also, I made some mistakes along the way and I had a, I had a framework, sorry to keep bringing up the word frame, but I had this framework from my childhood where I didn't know any artists. I didn't mm -hmm. know any creatives. I knew, you know, the neighbors who were doctors and lawyers and teachers, and I knew my family and they were kind of the same and all of my cousins, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So I didn't have a broad network of people who I could learn from. So to me, after the acting thing, I thought success would be corporate. I thought that 
success would be joining the rat race and the rest of the world. And I unfortunately didn't prioritize my creativity and I didn't. And this is where I think kids today might have an advantage because they have a broader spectrum of choices because they see everything on this little device. Um, I thought that I was going to join the rat race and then everything would be better. I would have Mm. a job. I would have a 401k. I would have health insurance and I could have a summer share in the Hamptons. (laughs) And then I would date business guys and then everything would be amazing. I was fighting against my own nature. My own Mm -hmm. nature is to be a freelancer and to build something for myself. Yeah. So that was a very important lesson. Am I glad I learned the business thing so that I can do, so I can run my business now? Absolutely. That Mm -hmm. was a bonus. But I would definitely advise people to go with their natural instincts if they can. And when I was doing the acting thing, I had no problem getting up early in the morning, warming up my voice and my body, putting on the right amount of makeup, ironing my audition clothes. I already had my audition clothes set up. I had my bag packed the night before. I had my little lunch packed up. So I had no problem self-motivating. I didn't have to go to an office to live my life. Right. I was already trained and prepared. Yeah. And I think that's a big thing that performing artists learn is, you know, that... Yeah. Being self-motivated, taking taking charge of things. Right. And being able to show up when you have to. Right. So I could show up at the office, but I hated it. Mm-hmm. I hated being indoors. I hated sitting down. I hated technology. <laughs> and I knew that I was self-motivated and I knew that I was prepared and that I had absolutely no problem um, operating my own little shop, whatever that shop was, but my instincts were so wrong. So Mm -hmm. if I had to do it again, I would have explored being a makeup artist right away. Yeah. And I would advise people who want to transition that they think about all of the opportunity that they have to work for themselves. And if working for themselves doesn't, work for you you can still be a freelance artist but be like attached to a brand or work at sephora and take freelance work while you have 30 hours a week at sephora because what i do and what works for me isn't what works for everybody else some people might need to be attached to a salon for you know security purposes health insurance purposes um they're not self-starters but i would definitely advise and mentor people who are newer to the field to figure out where they're going to find success and in what environment they're going to find success. Yeah. Okay. That's great. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, Analyzing and looking at what you're doing and what makes you happy and finding the success for yourself Right. and what's going to work best for you. And I mean, you know, years ago, because I, you know, I had been a dancer and became a photographer and 
a few years ago, I, I think I hit that burnout period and I was like, well, what part, parts of my life did I, what, did I love before? And I liked using my body and showing up and, you know, I transitioned and did some yoga stuff and now I forgot the point of the whole thing. <laughs> but that success and happiness and you created a new way of working for yourself. Yes. And, you know, I quickly realized that yoga wasn't necessarily something I needed to do or wanted to do as a business. It wasn't something where I was going to find success doing right. that. And the photography was much more successful. And, mm -hmm. you know, at that time I took, I took a nine to five job. Those were mm -hmm. the worst six months of my life. I mean, I was like, oh my God, I got to go into this office and sit here and look busy. <laughs> and like, I'm like, okay, I'm done my work. I've got to be here for another six hours. <laughs> so, you know, it's, but I think that you need to try things in order to also realize what you don't like and where right. you don't fit. That's and, right. And find and skills that. In corporate. Yeah, I did not fit working for somebody else. But again, I had the privilege to try things. And some people have to work corporate or some people have to be attached to a makeup counter. And in that instance, if what they want is to be fully freelance, but they still have to be attached to a counter or a salon, it's really important to not sit back and let it happen. It's important to have an idea of a plan, like how many years before your kids are out of school, how many years before they can get themselves to their lessons and, you know, be okay being at home for a couple of hours while you're out. Um, how many years will you be taking care of your parents before they move to a retirement community? Whatever your life situation is, I think it's important to think about how many years you need to do each step so that you have something to work towards. Right, be proactive, which is yeah. a conversation okay. that I've had with a lot yeah. of people is, you know, taking, taking action is much better than being passive. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I loved all the things that came out and I love to hear your journey and what, You've reached so much success, and I know that you feel like you have so much more to do. I don't think any of us are ever satisfied. Yeah. Yeah. But what is, what is a burning desire of yours right now that there's something that you're like, oh, I really want to do this? Yeah. Um, I've been doing a lot of freelancing with an agent for lifestyle, commercial, and fitness, Okay. I really enjoy the work. It's a niche that I've found. The fitness niche um, really works for me because I was key makeup and hair for Cosmo body exercise videos for a couple of years. I enjoyed the crew. I loved the work. Um, I was just texting with one of the, the uh, yoga instructors that they had who was their star. Mm -hmm. um, I love the friendships I built. I just love the work. I love fitness also. So... I would like to get signed by a good agency. Okay. All right. Yeah. Agents, you hear that? 
<laughs> I, I enjoy the agent I'm with. And um, if we can come to an agreement about a contract, then I'd love to be signed by her. That would be great. Okay. That's great. Yep. And something that's fitness related, well, makeup wise. Particular does a lot of commercial lifestyle and fitness. Some okay. agencies focus almost exclusively on runway and editorial, mm-hmm. but this agency just has a niche in commercial lifestyle and fitness, and I like that. Like, okay, I like fashion. Yeah, I don't have any tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> now, what is something that nobody knows about you? What's something you could share? I'm actually shy. You're actually shy. I know you tell me that all the time. I don't believe you. (laughs) I need a lot of alone time. Okay. I need a lot of alone time to bolster any self-confidence that I have so that I can go out into the world. And, like, I have to sit home and build up my ego presence so that I can show up for people. Okay. All right. So you're an extroverted introvert. (laughs) Yep. Exactly. All right. Thank you. Thank you for coming and gracing us with your famous voice. I am so glad that we got to sit down and chat about all of this. Um, I really appreciate it. I know that even though we're all still in lockdown, you are busy doing stuff. So thank you. I really appreciate it. This was really, this is really enjoyable and enlightening for me. Um, I hope that people find a nugget in it. All right. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to act two interviews. I'm your host, Sophia Negron. Please make sure you subscribe, leave a review and share with all your friends. Have a great day.